the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges, and walk the talk for change across the entire industry. Today, we are joined by Sandra Meander, the founder of Paperwork. Paperwork is a payments consultancy that helps merchants and fintech companies source, select, and implement the right payment solutions across a panel of trusted local and global acquiring and issuing platforms. Sandra is an accomplished payments professional with over 12 years experience in core global payments processing, which she has gained through working for fintechs and established corporations. Having started her payments journey at Barclays, she has built a solid payment foundation, where before moving to PayPal and Elevon US Bank, where she has involved with the large scale projects supporting businesses to streamline their back end processes, reduce operational costs and drive incremental revenue growth through optimized payment strategies. She is here today to share her story and some of the learnings along the way. Sandra, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Nadia. It's really lovely. Thanks for the introduction. Uh, it's really lovely to take the time to bring me into a conversation on a topic that you, um, you rose so much awareness for, and I'm really looking forward to the conversation. And thank you. Thank you for being here. What I would love is for you to tell us about paperwork. Sure, with great pleasure, Nadia. So Paperwork is a payment consultancy. We act as the in-between party between um, the merchant, fintech community and the payment um, solution providers. We have a number of partnerships in place uh, with um, providers in uh, banking, digital banking space, but also on the issuing product front, acquiring, of course, uh, post-solution, orchestration platform, FX remittance services, etc. Uh, typically, we would support the merchant to source the relevant solution to meet their current um, uh, payment requirements. Uh, we help them with the selection. So we, we tend to, to be quite agnostic and sort of uh, help them um, understanding really um, the gaps or being able to have an apple to apple comparison when it comes to uh, what's available on the market um, and then you know helping them making the right selections but also supporting them with the full end-to-end um, -end implementation of that um, that facility we naturally have um, you know a, a bit more of a primary focus which is around um, e-commerce travel hospitality um retailers uh, but we also um, get inquiries in areas from fx uh, cryptos nfts uh, for which we then organically source um, the relevant platform because it's a very moving industry there's um, you know a, a lot of uh, <laughs> new solution popping up uh, pretty much every day so some of those inquiries are essentially um, being serviced on a more um, reactive basis uh, because, you know, so say a solution or a feature that wasn't available a week ago may well be available and relevant uh, a month later when we then, you know, happen to be speaking or working on a project that require um, those uh, those functionality. So, yeah, so, so that's what we do. Um, we, of course, also work as a traditional payment consultancy whereby we help on projects that would be fully deployment projects to enable the um, 
the setup of the payment facility across multiple estates. So this is a very traditional, um, you know, facilitating or coordinating the work between different work streams from um, the commercial, the legal aspect, the compliance aspect, the technological aspect um, and so forth. It's super impressive what you've been able to achieve in such a short amount of time of paperwork. But what I love to hear, right, is that light bulb moment, you know, like when you decided, right, I'm going to do this for myself. And also some highlights of the journey so far. Yeah, sure. If I'm completely honest, there hasn't really been a haha moment for me. I think it's been a very um, inquisitive journey, one that's been led by different, um, you know, exploring different, um, different things, different projects to um, identify a gap and being um, or finding myself comfortable enough that I had the right um, skill set to then fulfill uh, the gaps that I was seeing in the market. Um, you know, my mom was herself a very serial entrepreneur, so probably deep down there may have been some sort of DNA heritage that rubbed into me. But um, yeah, it, it's not really been a magic wand or something. It's, it's literally been a, a journey of finding, figuring things out that led me to decide to, um, to go on and, and just establish my own business. Now, the, the response has been great. You know, it's, it's been extremely supportive and that's actually something that's taken me by surprise. Um, my platform of choice in terms of where I market my services and where I connect with uh, the merchant community, or the prospective partners is LinkedIn. Um, I'm not a big social media player and I was a little bit, you know, it was a bit of a daunting experience for me to to try to be a bit more vocal and visible, but it's, it's really been supportive. It's really been interesting. It's actually led to a um, very diverse opportunity. So, you know, I'm on the market for payment services, um, acquiring, issuing, but by being um, essentially visible, uh, by promoting or by sharing, um, you know, different aspects of, you know, how I think I can add value or my interpretation of, of what I think is happening in the market has actually um, rose my visibility within certain communities. And I'm talking the fintech communities that started to um, inquire about my services or potential um, projects to, um, you know, to, to just help them um, as, as a payment advisor to source um, the next solutions or enhance the product set. So it's been really, really interesting to see um, this diversity of, of um, inquiries, diversity of opportunities essentially starting to come to life. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. And uh, certainly um, I'd, I'd look forward to see uh, where that journey is going to take me from here. And I think this is the, the real inspiration of it all, you know, like you have <laughs> embraced that journey and look at all the new opportunities that are coming to you because you have created them for yourself, really. And you've, you've made a decision that's then driven those opportunities towards you like a magnet. And that's just amazing to hear. Now, tell us if there are any plans for funding or any thoughts you want to share around funding journeys within fintech. Well, that's an interesting one because... Um... I certainly um, didn't approach um, my whole venture with the idea of building the next platform. I think the market is um, extremely crowded. There's some fantastic things already happening. I really love all of the work that's happening between the orchestration, but there's also 
um, emerge between your traditional acquiring um, gateway solutions and the layer of orchestration. There's really, really sophisticated platforms out there. Um, if anything, um, you know, I'm, I'm currently really learning because I'm getting um, private to um, very, very different platforms, very different functionality. Um, I think it's, it's one of the really exciting part of my work, but equally um, I'm able to start seeing the differences, the gaps, uh, whether it's on the market level, whether it's on the segment level, whether it's on the product level. Um, an area that um, certainly uh, I have been probably uh, thinking about when it comes to potentially going down the path of looking at um, platform is um, the, the boarding piece, right? So how do you essentially facilitate and ensure that there is a, um, a seamless approach to getting merchants onboarded? There's a really, really diverse um, experience out there. So it's great that we are all focusing on the, cost, the, the consumer, the, the customer experience, but the merchant experience in terms of getting live onto those, um, you know, those platforms is, is, is a little bit poor in certain instances. Um, poor from the time scale or poor because it's a very manual, laborious um, sort of process. Um, so yeah, this probably, um, that's an area that I think might be interesting. Uh, although there isn't any plan at all <laughs> in the foreseeable future for me to start going down the, the funding route. But on the other hand, what I would say is because I do have a number of conversation with um, the fintech community um, in, in terms of um, helping them, uh, enhancing their product set, that's probably an angle where um, I might be um, getting the opportunity to get exposed to the funding side of things because um, some of those discussions or conversations that I've had were with certainly businesses that have been trading, operating for less than five years. And, and clearly part of their path is to seek more investment funds, but also going through um, yeah, the, 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 the potential journey to, to all the way IPO. Yeah, th this is really, really interesting because actually there are a number of gateways out there and mm -hmm. you're saying, hold on, let's, before we even get there, there's a gap here. And this is where I'm sitting and sitting really comfortably because who else is there at the minute? And that's the real, the thrilling part of all of this. You've identified something that other people haven't. And I think this is really reflective of what this industry is all about, being that open for for people to say there's a gap and I want to go and fill that and drive change there but you know for you to be able to identify that gap that's down to your expertise your knowledge the career that you have built the commitment within your career that you've built over over the years so tell us a little bit about your career to date and some of the challenges that you face but also overcome um I guess there's um definitely some similar patterns in the way um I'm approaching life in general as far as my career goes, it's always been a um, very broad perspective. I've always um, liked to look at my options. And for that, um, I've always um, opted for a broad curriculum, uh, learning as much as I could and refining my interest as I went along, um, discovering or being taught different topics. Um, it's um, it's quite interesting because I guess back in the time um, in my household um, there would have been pretty much pretty much sorry two jobs going. Um, one would have been to be a doctor or to be a lawyer. I guess the bet on me would have been that I would have ended up being a lawyer. Unfortunately, I've massively failed on that because I was not one of those. Um, 
person that could have uh, essentially digested or read through contents and contents of uh, literature. So instead, what I did was um, taking on some communication studies initially because I thought by learning um, about um, economy, um, geography, accountancy, um, that would essentially start helping me define what um, my acumen would be best you know, placed in. Um, and it's probably paid off because through the study, the initial PR study that I did, I started to pick an interest in economics, e-commerce, and then went on to do a master um, specifically in, um, in e-commerce. Um, and that's what led me uh, to come to the UK. So I've been in the UK for about 14 years. Um, I started my payment journey here working for Barclays. That was a very prestigious entry into the payment industry because of course Barclays has got such a such a wide portfolio of, of solutions services that um the um you know the, the market across multiple geographies so it was very much um the experience of working for for such an institution was pretty much like being back at school right there was so much to learn the depth of uh, of their reach was quite impressive and and i've loved um certainly um getting that solid foundation as i started payment because i understood the whole mechanism behind what happened you know in in the background within that card transaction the different stakeholders and all of those you know little <laughs> gritty details that probably will keep you awake at night um but yeah so i started my, my journey there then went on to paypal and also paypal was again you know another very great established um payment player the whole value proposition was very different the way um the products were marketed were very different so that essentially gave me a, a very different um um, perspective uh, in, in terms of um, payment instrument and, you know, consumer adoptions and um, go-to-market strategies and, you know, boarding processes, implementation, integrations and, and so forth. Um, and, you know, I, I sort of carried on my journey pretty much with the same mindset, always trying to um, to learn and to add um, some specific knowledge from that ecosystem. So that led me to then work in the issuing space for a very niche player that was specialised in, in, um, in travel before I, do, I joined um, the payment division of uh, the US bank, uh, Elavon, where I worked on uh, large-scale hospitality travel projects um, and, and got um, an opportunity to get... Uh, a little bit more closer with the actual offline infrastructure behind payments. Um, and at that point, you know, I thought, you know, having been into e-commerce, gateway issuing, acquiring, understanding terminals, um, FX and DCCs, MCCs and, and so forth, um, it certainly gave me um, a, a very accomplished view perspective of, of how payment works and uh, and it's probably for that reason that I decided to set up my consultancy because I felt that um, I had acquired enough to actually stop giving back to the market or giving back to a specific segment of the market. Now the flip side of that journey um, was pretty much um, all about you know having to 
essentially um, fit into this market because I came when I came in 14 years ago, I already worked four years um, in Belgium. However, I had to almost reset my um, actual um, uh, career experience to then start to align and understand the specific UK market. Um, it was for sure a little bit, um, you know, being taken aback because I ended up working in call centers and sort of doing like um, research projects. Whilst um, a few months before I came into the UK, I was actually leading pan-European project and I had, you know, teams of coordinators working with me on those projects, you know, sometimes up to six, seven, eight people, right? So I had um, a, a team leading position um, to come back and then find yourself you know, literally uh, back, back to square zero. It was a, a, a little bit um, of a tough ride for sure, but it wasn't just so much about as well having to um, to reset my expertise, my experience to gain the, the in-country um, ways of doing business. It was also the fact that um, my English, my, my language um, essentially was um, almost invalidated. I needed to learn um kind of like the business ethic the way to operate um you know in the uk the uk market i've i've actually spoken english for quite a long time um i was raised in in ethiopia so english was uh, pretty much um around me you know books people around me were speaking english um it, it you know i was immersed in that language for a long time and even when i worked in belgium um all of the communication was in was in in english in fact because we were working with very international portfolio of clients um, but yet when I came to the UK uh, I still had to um, pretty much <laughs> retake um, you know certain tests um, to just prove that um, I had the right level to operate into a business environment um, despite having you know referrals and uh, all sorts of um, you know different supporting um, endorsement or documentation to your uh, to um, validate um, essentially that skill, but yeah, so that's certainly been quite um, quite part of the um, the challenge um, that I, I have faced, um, and probably as as a last one, I would probably as well add uh, fitting in into the culture, fitting in into the society um, within the industry that I worked in. Um, there's certainly you know a few years back not been um, a lot of that diversity and diversity from many different angles, from gender, from gender, from ethnicity, from uh, culture, from background, from language, from, you know, just the list goes on. Um, so kind of finding yourself into an environment where there isn't enough of, um, you know, your representation um, and also from your background perspective, it, it can be quite um, unsettling initially because you have to define your own narrative. You have to define your value and, and, and kind of be able to carry yourself through and, and until you start being noticed and um, and start being um, essentially rewarded for the value, the work that you can bring to the table. So it, it's been constantly there. And I don't think it's kind of a where I am today, of course, I've overcome a lot of those challenges, but I think those challenges still remain in different form, you know, in the journey that I'm, I'm on today, uh, being an, um, you know, director or self-employed myself, it's, um, th there is an element of fitting in, there is an element of, you know, finding my space, finding my voice, um, you know, kind of, um, making sure that the value that I see 
is essentially being delivered and, and that is being, uh, you know, a knowledge recognized. And yeah, it's, it's certainly still part of the journey. So hopefully that's um, sort of give you a, a take on my side. Really, really interesting. Thank you for sharing such personal experiences because this should open people's eyes to the genuine challenges that people face. Because on the one hand, you have employers that say, oh, yes, we want to build our diversity within our teams. On the other hand, you came from Belgium and you felt that you had to start from scratch again, that your education didn't matter, that your language skills didn't matter, that your academic knowledge, your, your experience, you felt that you were starting from scratch and that is a failing, you know, that, that, that you, were, you were made to feel that way and not even made to feel that way, put factually into that position where you had to start <laughs> again from zero. And that to me is exactly an example of where people are failing in their environments and in their companies when they are trying to attract diverse talent if they mm -hmm. cannot value what that talent looks like yeah. abroad or yeah. from a, a different part of society or whatever whatever that it may be so i think that's really eye-opening for people that will be listening to this but also everything that you've done with that and how you've you've used those those differences and your skill sets and your talent to really exceed and excel within your career it's again i use the word inspiring again with thank you, you. <laughs> It's just brilliant. But just thinking about that and thinking about workplace inclusion and driving inclusion in our workplaces, what are your thoughts on everyone's responsibility to do that? Well, without a doubt, everyone has got a responsibility towards um, diversity and inclusion. You know, I think even for myself, when I look back at my journey, I wasn't necessarily one that would be vocal, that would um, essentially take part in those multiple initiatives that you've got to running, whether they are specific to, um, you know, the, my career, like women in payment or black women in payment or women in fintech and so forth. So there's so many different um, niche groups that are trying to promote um, diversity from a certain angle. I wasn't necessarily comfortable for many, many years to um, essentially associate myself or to just... Um, you know, f follow the the movement, so to say. And what's really probably starting to resonate with me is, you know, I've, I've got two boys. We live on the outskirts of Oxford. They go to a very small village school and they have been, you know, going there for years. And up until today, there is literally no representation of their ethnicity, uh, of their background. So that's been quite interesting because, um, you know, like about a mile away from, you know, where, where, where they're being schooled, uh, you definitely have a bit more diversity. So it's quite interesting because their own perspective exposure experience um, has triggered so much questions that they came back home with. And, and that's probably where I started to pick an interest in terms of, OK, how do I <laughs> essentially help them navigating that difference, you know, uh, who they are? What does that mean? Where do they fit in in the society? You know, they, they would have questions around um, the texture of their hair. They would have questions around, you know, the color of their eyes, you know, why the palm of their hands is, you know, lighter than the other side. So all sorts of questions. Yeah. And then, you know, and I guess this was not necessarily coming from um a, a, a bad place in terms of you know what was happening in school um the questions or whatever they were being exposed to they certainly didn't face or had any major issue but certainly um some people were less sensitive in the way they were probably 
um, describing them, labeling them, and, and that sort of raised questions that they brought back home, um, which um, in turn then got me to um, to do my part. And, and doing my part meant um, not only um, finding the right way to just convey the message, but not just stopping there, also looking at, okay, where else could I actually extend um you know, a, a bit of that voice to make sure that, you know, every little help, right? Adding your voice onto something that then start triggering or, or getting attention. It's part of the two cents that everybody's got to play. So yeah, you know, I never really wanted to be political, um, really always shying myself away from, you know, being part of uh, any sort of uh, movements or, or group that would be, um, attracting high visibility but it, it's just come to um you know it, it, it's a duty it's a, it's a duty and you know when you do that then you are certainly enabling the next person to um you know get empowered and, and learning from you and, and potentially that's that can change the course of their own journey so yeah it's, it's certainly um, a responsibility that i do take seriously um for me it's all about being inquisitive enough asking questions being curious um paying an interest, right, to other people, where they're coming from, where's the story, how do they fit in, what do they think, what's their view on things. So, you know, it, it will just start by at least enabling that conversation. That's a good step forward because then it enables um, a, a contribution of thought um, and an exchange of um of views, of backgrounds and, and, and leading to educating then the ones that, you know, coming from different perspectives, they wouldn't know any different because they've not been exposed to that. So yeah, every humankind has got um, a role to play and that role can be as easy as uh, just asking questions, just being inquisitive <laughs> and being curious. Yeah, exactly. And thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. I think it's really important that you have. And just to pull on a thread there, that, that when you were talking about your boys, mm -hmm. we've had some conversations around the systemic gaps in opportunity and most notably education. So mm -hmm. I was quite keen for you just to say a few of those here today. Yeah, no, and I guess, you know, that really personal example for me sums it all, right? Because it, it just reflected to me how early this starts, right? And and I've been able to see that through the, you know, the lens of my kids and my boys to then realize, but what about the people that have gone through their journey for years and years, never even being given an opportunity to address or to understand what's really going on out there, right? And, um, and I guess, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you look at the education system in itself, that's probably where the problem starts, you know, that again want it to be too political about it but if you look at the content at what kids are being exposed to and although that there's been quite an improvement because I can see lockdown as well as shifted, you know, a lot of uh, the way the education is being approached. And I guess with what's happening today as well, you know, out there in, in the world, all of this is kind of like making the children thinking and looking at things differently than having to learn about all of the greatest of the history, right? We need to start talking about some of the other pieces that are not so nice and, and so rosy, but are really important for kids, people to understand that they, they have a voice, that they are worth it, and that they have a path, right? And that they just need to figure things out as, as they, you know, they go along. But yeah, I think it starts from the education level, all the way from the books that are being picked on. I did actually deliberately during lockdown, I remember as, you know, you get closer to the education, I did starting to pick on certain books precisely that were coming from different type of authors or specific stories that I thought, well, this is my opportunity 
to do a difference at my level, right? And I think the education has got that not only accountability, but also opportunity to do so. And again, I love the way that you look at the world. You, you do, you see the gaps and you see them as opportunities. No wonder you've started paperwork and it's doing so well and attracting so much already. So my final question, and I can't believe we're here already because it just feels like we've only been talking for two minutes, but I know it's longer. What would you say is your call to action for the people listening about what more they can do to help drive workplace inclusion? You know, I'll probably revert back to a point I've just mentioned, which would be just be curious just ask questions. Don't assume, right? Last, was it last year? Over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of media coverage about a lot of very sad events that starting to bring the question of diversity inclusion into the map. But I think we don't have to wait for that, right? And I guess just by acknowledging the difference that you've got around you and prompting a conversation, that's an absolutely great step because you start empowering yourself with the knowledge, with a different understanding. And what are you going to do next when you're going to maybe find yourself in that sort of conversation? You're going to be able to contribute or you're going to be able to share one side, one point of view, right? And it's not as little as that. There's a lot. I, I really love what you are doing. And I think it's absolutely, not only it's brave, because I'm sure by the, when you started it, right, you probably weren't met with as many people willing to take part in that conversation. But now that it's becoming a mainstream sort of topic, right, because we've got communities, we've got hair time where people want to learn to listen to that. And I think it's very much now the next level, right? It's, it's ask the question at your level. You don't necessarily need to be part of a group. You don't need to do all of those big initiatives because I feel that there is a lot of momentum being kind of gained there. And it's almost bringing it back to the reality of, of your normality. What can you do? Because your, your voice, your step will make a difference, right? And that I think is something that I have at, at the core of my heart because that's what I'm living and breathing in myself, being exposed to that, is very much become more aware of my neighborhood. What can I do for the people that are different to me, that have got different aspirations, that I can do something, that I can bring value to, right? And I'm sure lockdown is, is a lot to answer for that, <laughs> why I think like this. You know, had that not happened, I'm not sure whether I would have reached to that depth of self-awareness and, and being curious and asking myself those questions. So it's a great timing, great timing, because a lot of the things out there are making people realize how precious you know things are and how much more of a community we need to build and 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 be supportive and we can also see the the strengths of that right you can see how much coming together is really achieving fantastic things but it's not by acknowledging have a conversation be aware don't just cast a blind eye and think that oh they're okay because she's not saying anything she's okay just ask the question what do you know maybe she's not okay Thank you. That is just absolutely brilliant. Like everything that you've shared today has been so heartfelt. And thank you for being so honest and true about your personal experiences, because I just believe that that is so important for other people in this industry to feel empowered and to know that no one's alone here. And as you say, we all have a duty to ask, ask the question about somebody else and support them. So it's brilliant to hear 
your advice on advocacy. It's brilliant to hear all your experience and just the way that you perceive the world, identifying <laughs> gaps, that is in, it, it's incredible. And just Thank knowing you. where opportunities are. It's, it's been so brilliant to learn about you and your venture. And I cannot wait for us to do a second yeah. podcast where we can <laughs> update everybody on oh. what you've done within the next few months. Well, you know what? It will be an utter privilege for me to not only keep close to this topic, this conversation, I have been extremely grateful that you approached me and offered me the opportunity to use that voice. And honestly, thank you for that. And certainly keep doing what you're doing. Walk the talk, right? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been brilliant catching up with you, Sandra, and we'll speak soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Women of Fintech podcast series. Oh, 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 oh,